You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Roxanne Solonen, and I hope you're enjoying this beautiful Wednesday, June morning. It is summer, I guess, even though not technically, but almost. Um, And we have, all the way from Dickinson, I believe, I'm not sure if that's where he is at the moment, but we have Monsignor Thomas Richter on the line. Good morning, Monsignor. Good morning, Roxanne, and yes, I'm in Dickinson. Okay, where are you precisely? Do you have like a little closet that you go into? or? You're not going to tell. Booth. Okay. A phone booth. Yeah, with a yeah. cape on. That's right. I I am in my office at Queen of Peace Catholic Church. Okay, beautiful. All right. Well, we had started with you a discussion about the discernment of spirits, and actually, we had Father Sean Mulligan on. He he mentioned that that was something that uh, discerning the spirits was something that had caused him to realize that God was calling him to the priesthood. So that was a nice kind of little tease there um, on what you're going to be speaking about. And I'm looking forward to the, the continuing discussion. It's on um, the discernment of spirits based on an, an Ignatian guide for everyday living. And uh, mm-hmm. there's various rules. And so we, we had gotten through, I think, rule four. And so you're going to bring us through to <laughs> rule five. <laughs> well, that's, that's what we hope, Russell. That's what we hope. So I find, I find it always helpful to do a little review Sure. Uh, for the listeners, a little review to, to keep it all connected. So um, this is St. Ignatius. He wrote 22 rules. The first set are the first 14 rules. Discernment means to distinguish one thing from another. That's what the word means. To discern is to distinguish one thing from another. Um, and so discernment of spirits is discerning one spirit from another, the good spirit from the bad spirit, uh, God from uh, the activity of the enemy. How do you discern that? By being aware of thoughts, feelings, and desires that are stirred by the spirits. So we, uh, uh, Ignatius, uh, became utterly convinced that the supernatural world communicates to the soul, to the human person, by what he called spiritual movements. Spiritual movements are thoughts, feelings, desires on um, a certain level of the human person. We have all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of feelings, all kinds of desires, not all of them stirred by the supernatural, but just by human nature, by following human nature, by uh, kind of all kinds of stimuli here in, uh, uh, in creation. But when the supernatural stirs them, it always says something, always says something and makes reference and directly impacts um, our relationship with God and the pursuit of God's will. Okay? And that which comes from God, that which comes from God, he labels as spiritual consolation, which is about a, a heartfelt uh, level of, of uh, attraction to the things of God and uh, the pursuit of his will. So it would be something... Um, that would encourage, that would give energy to, that would attract, that, um, yeah, would give desire for, et cetera, warmth, uh, all those things. When uh, that happens, he says, this is, this is uh, from, um, from God drawing me. Spiritual desolation, 
And the reason I'm reviewing this is because you can't go into rules five, six, seven, eight without having a real clear understanding of what spiritual desolation is like inside of a person. Right. And it's different for for uh, others. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain uniqueness in the experience of spiritual desolation. Spiritual desolation is thoughts, feelings, and desires that are stirred, caused by what uh, St. Ignatius calls the bad spirit, personified evil, our own fallen human nature, the, uh, fa- the activity of evil through created goods, uh, other people around society, etc. And spiritual desolation is on this spiritual level now, where heart is taken away from me, hmm. discouragement would be a really strong word, I think, for most. When, when one is experiencing spiritual desolation, it's an, it, very often an experience of discouragement. Um, and so, so it's uh, energy taken away, attraction taken away, heaviness, darkness confusion, lack of clarity, all those sorts of things around the pursuit of God's will, uh, Ignatius would see as the activity of the bad spirit and thus spiritual desolation. Was that clear enough? Yes, yeah, I'm I'm a visual person, so I'm kind of feeling a path, I'm seeing a path, and, and there's a fork in the road, and there's a sign, and two signs, one's leading one way, yeah. one, one's the right way, one's the wrong way. And, and I, th- I feel like the encouragement, the consolation part is like the pathway opening up for God. Like, he wants us to go on this path, and so he's going to give us what we need. He's not going to, like, you, you know, he's going to open up the path through, the, through that encouragement and, the, and those, those uh, feelings of consolation and such. Thought, thoughts, desires, and feelings. Yeah, thoughts, desires, and feelings. Right. So for, so, for example, um, a personal lived experience uh, for me. Yeah. I'm 22. I'm 22. I'm a senior at NDSU. I'm studying electrical engineering. It's my senior year. The thought of the seminary has been on my mind for uh, years now. It won't go away. Um, it uh, is often a confusing thing for me. Um, quite often... Uh, it can be a discouraging thing for me, maybe even cause some fear around the whole thing of um, God wanting me to be a priest, blah, blah, blah. And so um, had not much clarity and a lot of resistance in me around that. Mm-hmm. Well, one night I am sitting in my room reading my uh, engineering manual, and I can't focus because in my head is... Um, am I supposed to go to the seminary or not? Uh, blah blah blah. And it just kept it kept uh, repeating and and uh, cycling in my mind. And then came this delightful thought of you can't lose. You can't lose. If you go to the seminary for one year and you're supposed to be a priest, well, you're you know one year closer to um, your one year down the road and the path that uh, you're supposed to be on. If uh, you're not supposed to be, well, that one year enriched your uh, spiritual life, your relationship with Jesus, and so um, you have now clarity, and so now you go pursue uh, the uh, vocation of marriage, whatever. 
But the point is, the point is, this thought immediately filled me with peace. Mm. Filled me with clarity. And took all that sort of uh, obstacles away, the confusion, the heaviness, the discouragement, the fear. And just that one thought came into my mind, and I was just filled with this peace, um, this confidence in God. And so um, one would say, one, if, if I had a good spiritual director, he would say that was spiritual consolation stirred by God. And it wasn't just some feeling. He was speaking to you. He was saying you can't lose. Right. Join. Now, if, if I'm not, uh, it, well, what's going to happen to young college-age Tom Richter at that point is, a couple days later, something's going to happen, and now um, what's going to return is maybe this other thing, this confusion, mm-hmm. this this uh, resistance, this discouragement, and in that is going to be, are you sure? I have a question. <laughs> yeah. It kind of relates to where you're going, I think. How much of this is God and how much of it is us? Like, that's what I see you're going through this process and part of it is you and part of it is God. And so you have a part and God has a part. And so there's the will. So how do you square all that? Ooh, well, um, yeah, a spiritual movement is all God. Okay. Or all the enemy. Hmm. Right. It's stirred in a spiritual movements are not caused by us. They're not caused by us. They are stirred in us. So that thought that came to me was stirred in me by God. Mm-hmm. Now, what's me is responding to it. The three, the, the three steps of discernment, to be aware, to understand, to take action. So I was aware of that thought, can't lose. I was aware of the peace and uh, the attraction and so the aware, the understanding is, oh, that came from God, and then uh, take action is, okay, I need to believe that, I need to receive that, I need to consent to it, I need to interiorize that, I need to hold on to it. Right. And so now I need to follow it. And so a week later, a week later, when now everything changes inside, and heaviness returns, and discouragement returns... And uh, other thoughts of, you know, um, you're, you're not going to be able to be an engineer. You're not going to be able to have a family. Um, this might all be wrong. You might be just wasting your time. Are you sure? What if this isn't what you're supposed to do? And now all those questions start to pull into this other place. Rule five is I am supposed to stay true and faithful to what was revealed to me in that time of peace. Hmm. And, and seeing now what's being stirred in me is from the other spirit, and so I don't listen to it. I reject it. I reject it. I turn away from it. I don't believe it. I don't consider it. I don't dwell on it. 
I don't think about it. Why? Because I know the source of it. The source is taking me um, diametrically uh, opposed to what was revealed to me by God. Rule 5, which Father Gallagher says the most important rule of all uh, 14, mm-hmm. is to never, ever, ever make a change from what was revealed in spiritual consolation when the next uh, when the next experience of spiritual desolation comes along. Okay. Well, I, I want to hear on the other side of the break if there's certain tips you can give us for how we hang on to that consolation. Um, I, maybe there's when, when you feel that so that you don't let go of it so, you, so that it doesn't slip away. So we're going to take a little break here, take a little breather. And on the other side, Monsignor Richter, I want to hear if you, if you have any thoughts on concretely how we can hang on to that consolation. So we will be right back after this break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Roxanne Solon and your host here with Monsignor Thomas Richter by phone all the way on the other side of the state. Uh, And we are talking about something that I think is a really important topic right now in our world because as the... As the world kind of encroaches and, and holiness, holiness seems harder to grasp in some ways, the discernment of spirits an engage, from an Ignatian guide for everyday living, um, I think we're, we're 
needing to discern spirits because there's so many spirits of the world trying to uh, interfere. Uh, we have that through the internet and all sorts of different uh, avenues. And so we need to be staunchly, I think, discerning the spirits and so that we can be guided aright by, by our Lord. So Monsignor Richter is here to help us through that. We were discussing Rule 5, and a question that I had before we went to the break was, how, how do we stay in consolation? What are some concrete steps we can take to stay there? And so go ahead, uh, Father uh, Monsignor Richter, and, and let us know uh, some tips that we can take when we're going through a, a time of discerning the spirits in our life. Well, well good. Thank you. So, um, yet, yeah, in order to do this, one has to have a lived experience a lived experience that they're aware of, of what God is like mm. inside of them, what spiritual consolation is like inside, what spiritual desolation is like inside. Now, everybody has it, but the first step is becoming aware of it, becoming aware of it. So uh, a, uh, a grade school, uh, a kid in grade school would experience this. Um, somebody's getting picked on. Inside of him are thoughts and desires to help the one who's getting picked on. But uh, at the same time, there is they're going to pick on you if you stick up for them. But if you, if you follow that uh, attraction to uh, help, to do the good and right thing, and you actually do that, what's the experience is going to be the experience of consolation. I'm glad I did that. One's going to be encouraged. Uh, one one is going to be the Lord's going to uh, to uh, draw that thought and desire that He put into you into uh, an experience of fulfillment. So that would be a common experience for uh, young people, and that's not just psychology. Another another common uh, experience of spiritual consolation is what many Catholics experience at Mass. They go to Mass. They receive the Eucharist, they pray, they listen to the homily, etc. And the, there's a certain peace in their soul that they didn't have before Mass. And so there's a, a, a fear gone, an anxiety gone, the things they worried about gone. And so all these things that require trust in God in our lives, um, very often when we go to Mass, we'll experience a certain sort of uh, confidence in God around, um, a trust, a peace around, a freedom from anxiety, that that would be your spiritual consolation. And in that, God is saying something. Like, mm. I got this, or um, don't be afraid to apologize, or reach out to this person, etc., but it always comes with this this consoling affect, this heartfelt attraction, heartfelt uh, um, uh, warmth, lightness, encouragement, etc. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the first step in all of discernment is awareness, right? Right. Awareness. You can't discern if you aren't aware of spiritual movements. Right. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, you're you're like a blind person trying to discern between colors. You can't discern mm-hmm. between colors until you actually can see them. So, 
Um, but once once one does be, once one becomes aware of oh that spiritual consolation that spiritual desolation what you're aware of right is the activity of God loving me or the enemy trying to draw me to him and receive from his heart and all the ugliness that's in it the darkness the heaviness the discouragement uh, the self pity the resentment all that stuff fear anxiety so. Rule 5 says, Rule 5 says that when one experiences the Lord uh, speaking to them in spiritual consolation, um, and then it changes, and one goes into a time of spiritual desolation, you are not to change ever what the Lord revealed to you in that time. Okay? That's Rule 5. No, you might have to change uh, many things, right? You might have to change going to bed on time, whatever. Mm-hmm. But don't change what the Lord revealed in that uh, uh, spiritual level of the heart. Can I take Rule a six? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just real one point, real quickly. Um, as you gave the example of the <clears throat> grade school, <clears throat> excuse me, grade school person, um, I realized, you know, it's not just the larger discernment like the vocation. It's also the totally. everyday little encounters Every that we have. Day. Yeah, so this applies to everyone. <laughs> I'll just—I just wanted to say that. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're you're right, Roxanne. So, huh? It happens with with uh, families all the time. Uh, the the husband or the wife being a, uh, a a certain unkindness or tension happens between the two on the way to work. And there's a sadness in the heart because of that. Mm-hmm. This this is the common experience. Huh? Sadness is a common experience of spiritual desolation. Uh, sadness around being able to become uh, uh, a good and holy person, good and holy man. Sadness around um, meaningful, not being able to have a meaningful relationship with uh, God, whatever. But uh, you're right. This isn't this discernment of spirits isn't about you know four big things in your life. It's every day. Um, the Lord is stirring, and and vice versa. Now, rule rule six. Rule six. So rule five is what not to do, and that is to never ever ever make a change, because. Right, essentially, if you make a change, what you're doing, Roxanne, is being unfaithful to God. Spiritual consolation, one could say, spiritual consolation is the commands of God, the loving commands of God. The commandments of God aren't outside of us. God commands and speaks to me and leads me by spiritual consolation. That's why I'm supposed to follow it. It's the thoughts of God put into my thoughts. It's the desires of God put into my desires. It's the affections of God putting in put into my affections. And so, and so, to be unfaithful to it is to un, to be unfaithful to God. To re, to receive spiritual desolation, to believe spiritual desolation, to uh, consent to it, to dwell on it, is to be faithful to the enemy. Mm. Wow. It's powerful. It's to receive. It's to receive from the heart of the enemy, which is always going to do me spiritual harm. 
In fact, in fact, Ignatius says, Ignatius says in Rule One, listen to this description about uh, how this, uh, how um, what this is all about. He says uh, that the enemy leads them in order to hold them more. Imagine the enemy holding you, leading them in order to hold them more and make them grow in their vices and sins. What What a yucky image that in consenting to spiritual desolation, um, I'm actually receiving from the heart of the enemy, and he's drawing me to, like, a closeness with him. So um, that's what this whole thing. That's what this whole thing is about. This isn't about feelings. This isn't simply about feelings or following feelings or wanting feelings or being attached to feelings. This is about listening and hearing God through thoughts, feelings, and desires. That's how He commands us. He doesn't commands commands by words on stone tablets, but in stirring our soul. I have another question. Then, I'm, so, okay. I'm sorry, I know your thoughts are so deep here. Uh, but if, if we feel that desolation, is there, is there any like, quick thing we can do? Like, if, if we nice. feel it... <laughs> so, so you're asking, you're, you are asking the question that most concerns and interests St. Ignatius of Loyola, namely, he is concerned what he thinks keeps people from God is they don't, they are not aware, and they don't reject spiritual desolation. For St. Ignatius, the key to becoming holy is rejecting spiritual desolation, resisting spiritual desolation. And I, after, after um, getting, um, living this and helping others live it, I am utterly convinced he is right on the money. There are so many of our Catholic people who listen to spiritual desolation as if it's God being hard on them. And all the while, it's actually the enemy. And it hurts faith. It hurts hope. And so the question you ask is the right question. How does one resist spiritual desolation? Okay, we're going we're gonna to answer that because that's a key thing, as you're saying. We need to do that after the break so you have more time. So hang on to that thought. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. Franciscan Media Saint of the Day for June 15th. Today we celebrate St. Marguerite Duville. We learn compassion from allowing our lives to be influenced by compassionate people, by seeing life from their perspective, 
and reconsidering our own values. Today's saint learned well. Born in Canada in 1701, Marguerite left school early to help her widowed mother. At 21, she married Pierre Duville, a bootlegger who illegally sold liquor to the local Indians. Within a decade, Marguerite had borne six children and buried four of them, along with her husband. While caring for her two surviving sons, she ran a store to help pay off Pierre's debts and still found time to aid the poor. Once her children were grown, Marguerite and several companions rescued a Quebec hospital that was in danger of failing. They grew to become the Institute of the Sisters of Charity of Montreal, popularly known as the Grey Nuns, because of the color of their habit. The Grey Nuns Hospital in Montreal set a standard for medical care and Christian compassion. At Marguerite's beatification ceremony, Pope John XXIII called her the Mother of Universal Charity. Canonized in 1990, she was the first native-born Canadian so honored. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. There's been a long history of anti-popes, men who have claimed to be the rightful elected pontiff when in fact they were not. Although it has been several centuries since we have seen a serious claim of an anti-pope, papal elections called conclaves are to this day influenced by the danger of an anti-pope. Pope Alexander III established the rule that for papal elections, the winning candidate has to receive at least two-thirds majority of participating cardinals' votes. Pope Alexander initiated this rule to stave off the threat of a minority of cardinals setting up a rival pope. This attempt failed miserably. The majority of anti-popes came after Alexander III's time. But to this day, a two-thirds of the vote is needed for a man to secure the papacy, just to make sure we don't have any new anti-popes running around. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. This is Father Richard Kunst. If you enjoyed this Papal Minute, you'll want to see the Papal Artifacts Collection on display here in Duluth, Minnesota, August 19th through 21st, this summer, 2022. For more information, go to vaticanunveiled.com. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Have you ever felt a tug? Like, you know, that little angel and the devil on one shoulder and the other? Have you ever felt like you were moving along well and then all of a sudden something comes and you're just like kind of down in a pit? It could be that the spirits are working on you, that there's a good spirit and a bad spirit. One is of God, one is of the evil one. And this is something that's so important right now in our world because there's a lot of influence in the spiritual world coming into our lives. 
And so uh, this is Roxanne Solonen, your host, and I have Monsignor Thomas Richter, who we've invited to stay with us for an hour today, and now we have, we have half of that time left. But we're talking about discernment of spirits as, as proposed by Ignatius. And Ignatius, it's an Ignatian spirituality, um, something that St. Ignatius has developed and now we are benefiting from. So Monsignor Thomas Richter, we uh, had ended by kind of going into Rule 6. And so there's some important concepts here to share. So I'm going to let you take over now. Thank you, Roxanne. Yeah, let's jump in. So St. Ignatius of Loyola's great concern uh, for souls is uh, rejecting spiritual desolation, not consenting to it, not believing it, not considering it, not dwelling on it, rejecting it. Why? Because it's the activity of the enemy. The thoughts that are happening in me in a time of spiritual desolation are from the end, and the feelings are, the desires are, and so I don't want to follow any of it. Now, the, and so this is what St. Ignatius says is the greatest obstacle for souls. The greatest obstacle for souls is rejecting spiritual desolation. And the first step in being able to reject it is being aware of it. There are way too many Catholic people who aren't aware of spiritual desolation. And I think in most cases, they um, conclude to, I'm feeling this way because I'm not a good guy. And if I just get my act together, then um, this won't happen. But that's all pride. Spiritual desolation isn't caused by us. It's caused by the enemy. We can open ourselves to it, that's for sure. We can consent to it. But spiritual desolation is a spiritual movement caused by something supernatural above and beyond me. And so it's the bad spirit stirring in me. This is critical that we become aware. So all listeners, that you're able to name and write down when I'm in spiritual desolation, when I'm experiencing um, thoughts, feelings, and desires that are from the enemy, from the bad spirit, that are taking my uh, um, energy and desire and attraction and warmth away from God in the pursuit of His will. This is what it's like inside of me. And this is how it feels. This is what uh, goes on in me. It'd be very uh, a very good exercise for the listeners to be able to do that. To grow in spiritual awareness of spiritual desolation, what it's like in them. Um, and so Ignatius says, Rule 5, never make a change from spiritual consolation. That's what not to do. Rule 6 says, this is what you are to do. And he gives four means four means to resist, reject spiritual desolation. The first is, in a time of spiritual desolation, he says, we are to increase and intensify um, our prayer. So he says, never make a change what was revealed in consolation, but we are to change ourselves intensely, he says in Rule 6. We are to change ourselves intensely against against the desolation. We are, going to, we are to go against it, and the first way to go against it is by increased prayer and praying against it. And uh, what does that look like? What does that sound like? It's simple petition. Jesus, help me. Mm. Mm. Jesus, where are you? I sense none of your presence. I miss you. Restore me. Jesus, help me. And you do that, you know, 500 times a day. 
Um, and that's all you do. That's increased prayer. Hmm. Listen, discernment of spirits isn't about being a guru. It's about being a child of God. And so the first means, the first spiritual means is increased prayer. I'm aware that what's going on in me right now is a movement that's from the enemy. And so my response to it is to not believe it, not consent to it, not follow it, not dwell on it, not entertain it, and to go against it. And I go against it by praying. Jesus, help me. Jesus, protect me. Jesus, protect me. I, I, uh, it's, it's here where I start to doubt you, Jesus, protect me. I believe this stuff for all the years of my life, thinking that somehow um, this is uh, you doing this because I'm not a good enough guy, but I don't want to believe that anymore. Protect me. Encourage me. Encourage me. That basic thing. The second means, the second means he says, is meditation. Increased meditation. Uh, meditation. Now, um, what's important, Roxanne, for you and all your listeners, that when you hear the words meditation, and then the next one's going to be examination, that we don't think of some intellectual exercise, just some basic intellectual exercise where I'm sitting there thinking to myself, because one of the primary, one of the primary powers of spiritual desolation is to put me alone in my head. Mm-hmm. The activity of spiritual desolation is always making the person be alone in themselves, self-absorption. And so I got to figure this out. And so to go against spiritual desolation, um, one needs to do many things, but all of them have to be relational. Relational Mm -hmm. to God. Relational. The path against spiritual desolation, which is always a path of isolation, uh, spiritual desolation is always isolation, always absorption, always turned inward, always a non-relational intellectual activity, the path to reject that is always going to be a relational path. And so turning in petition is turning and being with Jesus, relating to Jesus, relating to God. Um, The second meditation isn't about me sitting there having big, neat, um, high, holy thoughts. (laughs) It's... it's, um, uh, largely about holding on to some truth of faith that opens me up to God, right? So the Lord is my shepherd. So I get into, I, um, I'm in a time of spiritual desolation, and this, uh, this uh, passage, which has, has been a source of consolation in my life, um, and, and now I just hold on to that, and then, of course, that eventually turns into a prayer, right? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing me. I know you're choosing me right now. I don't feel it. I have no uh, felt awareness of that, but thank you for choosing me. I choose you here, too. You know what I, I'm thinking, too, because just a little bit ago you said when we're in desolation, it's the evil one holding us or wanting to hold us. And so, to me, when you use the word holding in that instance, it's a reversal, To me, it seems to me, of what 
what the opposite would be, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's, he is pulling you into his lived experience, which is to be totally alone and unloved. Mm-hmm. Totally hopeless. The enemy is utterly hopeless. He's utterly alone. He's fully miserable, and he's trying to draw us into that. So, um, yeah, uh, another another way of meditation would be right. Just just calling to mind a lived experience. The last time I was in spiritual desolation. Oh, I know this. This happened to me uh, a month ago, and I uh, yeah, the same thing happened to me in this time around this, but. Um, but uh, it, it passes, and it uh, was restored. And so, uh, uh, Jesus, thank you for restoring me. Thank you for uh, wanting to restore me. Mm-hmm. And in recalling that lived experience of returning to consolation, it now helps me resist and reject the desolation. Was that clear? Yes, and, and it helps me personally to think of it as a response. Like a, I'm feisty enough to want to like go against the devil if he's trying to take me down. You, you know, gonna, that's right. <laughs> Otherwise, we're kind of just that's passively it. accepting it. So that's right. All of this is active, right? The right. three steps are awareness, understanding, and take action. Hmm. Spiritual discernment isn't about sitting alone in my head thinking about stuff. Yeah. That's precisely what the devil does. A spiritual discernment is about being aware of someone stirring in me, and it always ends with taking action, actively receiving from God, actively believing, actively consenting, actively following, actively surrendering, obeying. And the same goes with the other, actively rejecting, actively resisting. This is not passive stuff. Right. Um, and so it and so these four means need to be understood in relational terms. So okay. it's it's a prayer, meditation, the third is much examination. Okay. That needs to be understood <laughs> rightly. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break before the end here, and you'll have a little bit more time to go into three and four of the things that we can do. So we will be right back with more Real Presence Live and Discernment of the Spirits with Monsignor Thomas Richter. Stay tuned. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network.
If you have ever been through the hell of deep darkness and suffering, like the suicide of a loved one, do you know that your experience may be helpful to someone else? I'm Father Chris Alar. Mercy is defined as a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it does something about it. And when you exercise the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, you are truly loving your neighbor. Jesus said, When a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with an abundance of graces that it cannot contain it within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Let us show you how to be that radiator and find healing for yourself in the process. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are in our final 15 minutes of the show or less, and we have Monsignor Thomas Richter speaking of the discernment of spirits, and I'm going to go ahead and let him take off here on the rule number six of St. Ignatius. Very good. We ended, uh, Roxanne, with covering two of the four means in Rule 6 on how to resist uh, spiritual desolation. So basically, Ignatius' whole concept is you do the opposite of what spiritual desolation is suggesting, right? Hmm. Um, so so, so right, you go on your Curcio weekend, whatever, and in uh, all the beautiful uh, presence and experience of the closeness of God and His great care and His great love and consolation. One clearly sees in that that uh, Curcio weekend, I want to commit to daily prayer. And the heart's attracted to that and deeply desires it and knows it's good and right, and there's all kinds of energy around it. Um, but after day five, it's, it's dry again, and now in that, hey, you can do better, more important things than this. It's wasting your time. It's really not bearing fruit. And so now you've gone into spiritual desolation. Rule 5 says, stay true to what's revealed to you in the cursio there around committing to prayer. And so don't make a change there. And then uh, Rule 6 says, and, and combat, combat this, do the opposite of it. 
Um, and so this this is where we're at now with Rule 6. How does one do the opposite? The first is pray against it. The second is meditation, <clears throat> calling to mind when this has happened in the past to give renewed hope and perspective that this is going to pass. This is not from uh, this is not the truth from uh, the God who loves me, but this other thing. The third is much examination, <clears throat> much examination, um, and the examination you're you're doing with the Holy Spirit, not yourself. You're not going into some navel gazing sort of self examination or self analysis or self absorbed sort of uh, um, critique of oneself, but rather much examination is going back with the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, where did this spiritual desolation begin? Where did it happen? When did, when did this all begin? And how did it begin? Right? And so um, one can do that. One, one uh, finds out that it all started, it all started with um, impatience in the morning with family, whatever. And then from that, uh, one opened oneself, and one has a certain sadness about the whole thing, and then it, it, and it goes from there. But in this much examination, one can go back and with the grace of God come to see where it happened, and thus... Um, get get renewed and clear insight on how to uh, how to first of all respond to it directly at this time and then how to prevent it more in the future um what would be some other good examples of that you know when one reviews their day or even your prayer Roxanne what what I try to do in my prayer I pray my holy hour I pray my holy hour, and then I, in that hour, I try to say, "Okay, Lord, what was the what was the strongest desire uh, in me in in prayer? Where was where was that happening? What what was the the you know the thing the clearest thing for me? I review that, and then I write a journal entry in my uh, little journal." Um, it could be something as simple as focus on listening to others today. I need to hear that a lot, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> um, um, this this much examination is is a relational thing done with the Lord for Him to show how spiritual desolation happens in a person. The fourth. The fourth, he says, is doing a suitable penance. A suitable penance diametrically opposed. So this this penance um, is, to, in order to do this, one requires self-knowledge. Because this penance is done opposing, opposing what is happening. What what uh, spiritual desolation is suggesting, and very often spiritual desolation can be can can cause one to be hard. So, for example, you go into spiritual desolation, 
and um, you know, it can it can cause a person to somehow say, "I got to try harder. I got to do more this, more that." Um, and in fact, actually, actually, no one should do the opposite. And so, depending on what spiritual desolation is like in a person, a suitable penance may be taking an evening off. Um, going out with friends. So, mm-hmm. so like a, a a college person who gets into spiritual desolation, um, who is hyper type A and gets all desolate around grades. How the enemy can drive them into the ground by study, study, cramming, cramming, but all the while they're following, they're following the wrong spirit. Instead of uh, going to a, a peaceful place where one can actually learn. So this suitable penance is is something that does the opposite of what spiritual desolation pushes us to. So spiritual desolation makes you grouchy. A good penance is simply smiling at people. They're doing the opposite of what this is saying. I like that definition because I think sometimes when people hear penance, they feel like, oh, I did something wrong, and now I'm, you know, they could almost like put themselves into more desolation. But you're not saying that at all. You're you're saying, no, you're just actually combating this with with something. It's positive. (laughs) So that's, yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, if spiritual desolation makes you eat a bag of chocolates, (laughs) then one needs to fast. Mm hmm. Right. That's my problem. So <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> if, 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 um, yeah, if, if, uh, spiritual desolation is something that, uh, makes one procrastinate and not commit, right? Spiritual desolation can cause one to be confused inside and have no clarity and avoid mm-hmm. commitment mm-hmm. and all then, then suitable penance is simply committing. Mm hmm. And I want to make my bed first thing when I get up in the morning. Right. Again, that action. That action. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pray at this time. I'm going to eat lunch at this time. To go against all the silly movements of desolation that that try to lead the soul into this agitation and uh, this anxiety and fear, and then out of that to get the person to sin. I think it's hard because in a way you're going oh, you're going in the opposite direction of maybe your, some of your thoughts and feelings, right? And Totally. And so because yeah. spiritual desolation can feel really real and right. true. Right. It can feel really real and true. It can feel as if I'm separated from God. It can feel as if God isn't with me. It can feel as if God doesn't care. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, too, about earlier when you were saying the prayer of just God help me, whatever we have to say, um, we might not hear or feel or experience God's consolation right away. But just, again, just to say it, it's that faith, just trusting and, and not necessarily getting immediate results, right? We just have to do it. That's right. 
And the, the whole goal of resisting spiritual desolation isn't necessarily this idea, if I do this right, I'm restored to spiritual consolation. No. Becoming holy doesn't mean I don't have spiritual desolation. And I just have spiritual consolation. Being holy in Ignatian terms, what does being holy look like? It looks like a person who doesn't listen to spiritual desolation, who rejects it, who resists it. He still experiences it, but he doesn't listen to it. He doesn't follow it. He doesn't ponder it. He doesn't entertain it. Because for Ignatius, you become holy in two ways. Holiness, of course, is intimacy, closeness to God, union with God, communion with God. You become holy in two ways, by receiving and interiorizing spiritual consolation, and by actively resisting, actively rejecting spiritual desolation. That's how you become holy. Hmm. Monsignor, could you, we're getting close to the end here. Um, one one encouragement really quickly is I, I think even though some of these concepts seem new, I can identify having experienced some of this myself, like as far as turning it around. So I think we all have some of those tools. We just don't know. We just we need to become more aware. Finally, I would love for you to give us a, a, a blessing before you leave. I certainly will, Roxanne. One last thing sure. uh, to all your listeners. Check out Father Tim Anthony Gallagher has videos on the web for every rule. And he's excellent. He has excellent examples, excellent anecdotes that really reveal what this looks like and what it feels like. And I think the listeners would find all that helpful. Great. Mm -hmm. To you and all your listeners, may Almighty God bless you with the grace of awareness of what he's like in you, how he stirs, what his thoughts, what his thoughts, feelings, or desires are like in you, and to be aware of those which are opposed in the grace to receive and resist. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Monsignor. We will be back with more Real Presence Live after this break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 